Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 480. This week, we have an incredible opportunity because I'm welcoming onto the podcast Jason Liberty, Royal Caribbean Group's CEO, to talk about where things are right now with the company and give you an exclusive look at where he sees things and what the future holds for Royal Caribbean. Really excited for this. Here we go. So today we have the honor of sitting uh, with someone who has the view from the top, the top, top, top of the Royal Caribbean group, uh, Jason Liberty. Jason, welcome. Glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you here, talk to you about everything going on. And uh, we're in an interesting spot. And I thought about, well, what can we talk about? There's a lot of topics, but I'm looking at this like State of the Union. President goes up to the podium in Congress and talks about where things are right now. And we're in an interesting spot right now. So if you were presenting the State of the Union, we've heard your, you know, I listen to the earnings calls every quarter, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but beyond the numbers, what's your State of the Union? What's your, how do you view uh, really the the, the company currently and how things are looking uh, moving into 2023? Sure. Uh, Well, first, thanks for having me. This was, uh, this was great. I think the, the, the first kind of the, the top line message is, you know, our organization is back. I mean, you know, our commercial apparatus, um, uh, all the assets that made us everything that made us so great uh, pre-pandemic is, is all back. And so when we look at our business, whether it's corporately or by brand, everybody's accelerating. Our load factors are returning to normal. Uh, the experience is exactly what it was uh, pre-COVID, if not even better. Um, our incredible crew are well-trained and enthusiastic and, and ready to go. And I, and I think that's um, uh, when, you, when you kind of step back, um, especially as the, you know, as, the, as the CEO of the company, um, coming out of what we just came out of, it's, it's really just, it's just great to finally be in a place where you're back to doing what you do best, which is delivering the best vacations in the world. Fantastic. Um, something you talked about in the last earnings call, I believe, was the fact that the uh, last quarter was so strong that it almost felt like the fifth quarter of 2019. Yeah. Um, and for my guest perspective, especially for Royal Caribbean International, when you're looking at pricing and things like that, popularity has been through the roof since the restart. That's There's right. a lot of you know anecdotal evidence of that. Um, talk to us about how you're seeing things now, especially from the pricing perspective, because from the guest perspective, there's a lot of things happening, right? You've got the economic pressures in the, in the world right now. Then you've got, of course, just the, the nature of Royal Caribbean cruise pricing in general, right? Where you see um, the price of a cruise, the price of a drink package, whatever it may be, changes all the time. So that's a constant evolution. During the during the shutdown, it sounded like things kind of like, there was a bit of a lull in that because for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. demand was a little lower. Um, talk to us about where, how you see demand right now and how that correlates to price and how much pressures are you seeing from the market? I say the market, the, the global market, like how much... How, where are you seeing that in terms of the company yeah. today and how that affects really the, the, the average guest on board? Yeah. Well, I think the level set a few things, um, one of which is, you know, I, I, you know I, I think when you look at the consumer today, um, depending on who your consumer is, it depends on whether they're under pressure or not. You, know, you see in a lot of the credit card data, data, a lot of economic data, that there are certain parts of our economy um, around the world that is getting pinched because of inflation, which is really in the bottom quartile. Uh, which is not really where our customers for the Royal Caribbean brand, celebrity brand, and Silver Sea sit. So you know, our, our customers um, you know, tend to have a pretty strong personal balance sheet. Uh, they're not overly levered. Um, and you know, that space, just in the U.S. alone, has trillions of dollars 
of savings um, sitting there on the sidelines. Sure. Um, so I think that's one. That's one. The second thing is is those consumers have um, have switched back to what we saw pre-COVID, where they're buying less stuff and they're interested in experiences. Uh, fortunately, we're in that experience business, and so those trends, coupled with the demographic trends of you know more people retired during the pandemic, you know the millennials, which are the largest part of our population, you know got homes, got married, had kids, all kind of fitting into kind of what we go out um, and and do best. And so I think um, all of that is also leading to another reality of uh, cruising, which this is painful for me to say, the value gap between a cruise and land-based vacation during the pandemic expanded quite a bit. And so, you know, what, you know, as we increase our pricing, we're still at a significant value to what it would cost for you to have anything close to a similar experience um, on, on land. And so that's also why our pricing, what our guests are willing to spend on our ships continue to rise because of the demographic secular trends, as well as just that value gap to land-based vacations. Great. I want to ask you something. Uh, I'm going to quote you. In 2019, okay. you were talking oh. about the Great Recession. <laughs> um, this is when you were back as the CFO of the company. And you said, I regret not spending more during the Great Recession. There's definitely regret that we have in terms of our pullback on our growth. We would all like to be talking about higher earnings numbers today, better return profile today. If we hadn't slowed down our growth on our investment efforts and expanding our global footprint, investing in different projects, that would have put us in even a stronger position than we are today. That was So that was obviously before the shutdown. So different world. But that being said, as we sit here today... I think the last order that you put out, especially for Royal Caribbean International, was it's been a while since you put a new contract out for a new yep. for a new order for a cruise ship. And as that gap between the last order and today grows, your words seem to resonate with me anyway. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Obviously, I don't expect you to be telling, oh, we're going we're gonna sure, to build sure. eight, although feel free to if you'd like to. <laughs> but but what the, with those words, what do you think about today? How yeah. do you look at it? So I think one thing, just to put it, to put it kind of frame it, is... Um, back in the back in the financial crisis, you know, on average, it was taking about three to four years to get a ship when you ordered it, um, especially a ship that was not a, uh, a new design. Um, pre pre pandemic, um, the level of demand for new ships was so high that you had to order ships much further out in order to have access um, to those slots. Right, so you were seeing people order ships six or seven years out. So we have a little bit more runway here. And what we, we had pre-pandemic or, or, or in the financial crisis because we actually ordered ships pre-pandemic six or seven years out. Um, and so you're seeing, you know, you, even if you think about the Icon 1s and the Icon 2s or you, or you think about the Edge 5s, and you know, those ships aren't two years away. Those ships could be four or five years away. So there's a little bit more breathing time for us to have to place in those orders um, because of that, 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 that structural change pre-pandemic. Um, now, in saying that, you know, we, we and I still very much agree that we we had we had great regret, and that we had to hold um, back then um, to grow our business because what we saw is was an accelerating demand environment. We globalized our business. We had all these new demand pools, and we weren't able to take fully full advantage of that because we didn't have all the capacity online that we wanted to. Um, but I very much, and we're going to grow our business um, over the next five years at about six percent a year. Um, so we are very uh, focused on continuing to invest in these great segments and these great brands um, and in great markets around the world. Okay. So that's still something new, new construction, new builds would be something that 
I mean, how would you characterize it in terms of likelihood? I guess is the best way to put it in terms of no, your I, outlook. I, I, mean, I think it's. I think. I think we are. Um, you know, again, you know, we we have to get our, our footing here into twenty twenty three. But I think we, we want to continue to grow our fleet. Um, we realize there will be a point in time here that we will have, if we want to do that, we will have to we will have to commit ourselves um, you know, to be able to do that. Uh, the other thing I would just add is you know investment or growth comes in different ways and. As we experienced, uh, hopefully you experienced today, perfect day at Coco Cay. Um, you, your growth doesn't always have to just come on unit growth by adding more capacity. Growth in your revenue and profitability and so forth can also come by adding more incredible experiences or capabilities um, on land like perfect day. Makes sense. Speaking of spending money, um, pre-shutdown, Royal Caribbean Group had a great variety of land-based projects announced. Royal Beach Club, perfect day expansion, uh, Freeport Harbor purchase, and a variety of other things that were out there. and. Some you announced formally, some you talked about anecdotally, regardless. Um, can you walk us through some of the where things are right now with some of those things? Because we've seen the Port of Galveston, that terminal project went through, which is great. Obviously, we're on Wonder of the Seas and Odyssey of the Seas. Those ships have come out, some of the celebrity ships. But in terms of these land projects, what's your outlook? What should we expect as a guest in terms of those projects that were announced pre-pandemic that really haven't heard much of anything about uh, since? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, Certainly, we had to put a, a pause on some of these things. Um, but you, you look at, you know, today, you know, we're sitting here at Perfect Day, uh, Hideaway Beach, which was in our plans. Um, um, you know, we were constru- you know, we have been constructing Hideaway Beach uh, through the pandemic. So there's some things that we were continuing to invest in because it's a, it's a clear differential asset and we had control over the approval process and so forth to do that. Um, but our ambitions around perfect days, around the World Beach um, uh, Club concepts, are still very much there. Um, and some of it, you know, was a pause on us, and some of it is also just it takes. You know, perfect day took almost seven years from concept to finish in order to uh, to get done, and that's just because it's not all within our control. And, right. And and so we're, you know, we are uh, we're ambitious. You know, we have high ambitions. We want to make sure that every guest, especially on the Royal Caribbean brand has at least one perfect day, if you're, especially if you're sailing in the Caribbean. Let me ask you this. Uh, let's talk about per- taking perfect day. I asked you about new builds and I asked about new uh, construction. Uh, so in, today it's a little different maybe than this question would have asked you 10 years ago. But is it almost fair to say like a new ship versus, an, let's say, a, an ex- like perfect day of Vanuatu, um, you know, Lepa yeah. or, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Does the Do you look at them now? Like new ships always, I think we would have probably pegged them to like a little, uh, they'd be more of a moneymaker, let's say, for lack of a better word. I mean, do these expansions now, looking at what Perfect Day has done, really make almost put them on the same level as like a new cruise ship? Is that a fair characterization? I, I would characterize it as you know we we have we have certain return thresholds yep. that are very important to us, um, and um, you know, we look at you know making that invested dollar and the return profile that we're able to get from it. These these when these opportunities arise where we can have Perfect Days or World Beach Clubs, or even in the cases where, when we're investing in certain ports. That puts us in a position. If we can achieve that return profile, um, then sometimes it, it can get reprioritized uh, versus a ship. But we look at the perfect days as a platform yeah. that really, in many cases, the entire World Caribbean brand ships can go to, or World Beach Clubs. You could have you know all of our brands in our in our in our group um, being able able to go to. And so I think we look at that as a platform. But fortunately for us, I think in terms of the cadence of things and so forth. Yeah, we're going to be able to continue to grow each one of our brands, and we're going to be able to invest in perfect days and in World Beach Clubs, etc. Fair to say that the projects are still 
in some status that uh, is supposed to be canceled. Yeah, there's there's nothing there's nothing that has has been canceled. Okay. Now we're you know, we are very um, again. I mean, you know, very high net, net promoter scores. It's not you know we get the highest net promoter scores on this. Um, so the guest experience is great. Um, we're able to control the experience. Um, we're you know, we make we make good returns on these type of things. And so you know any any anybody who's investing money would you know would want to uh, to have this type of return profile. Sure. Uh, terminal G in Miami, kind of an interesting announcement, a new terminal there, and also you're building a terminal with MSC that you're going to co-share. Any thoughts on the uh, on on that and what that project? What, what's your what's your vision for that? Is that a new Terminal A again, like that kind of scale, or well, uh, not uh, not to the scale of Terminal A. Um, it, I, I would say it's you know, you know we you know, we have a lot of ships coming online. Um, we need infrastructure. Um, we need to make sure the experience from when you arrive to, get, to getting on our ships is, is seamless and, and has no friction inside of it. Great. Um, and things like this enable us to be able to, uh, you know, to do that. So you know, that, that commitment to us is really just our commitment to our growth um, that we know is coming on. And uh, you know, Miami is a uh, marquee port, largest port in the world. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a you know, great airlift and uh, it's a drivable market. And, and so uh, you know, we're, we're very happy and excited to be in that partnership with Fantastic. Mr. Liberty, thank you so yeah, much you for your time. It. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, friends, time to answer listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I answer the questions you have sent in about going on a Royal Caribbean cruise. So if you want to send me your questions, you can always do so by sending them to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. First email is from Lisa from Seattle, who writes, Hi, Matt. First of all, thank you for all the podcasts, blog posts, articles, etc. My husband and I are loyal to Royal because of you. And you make my weekly run tolerable as I listen and dream of our next cruise. You mentioned in an episode recently that some may choose a ship based on a crew member. My husband and I would choose a ship based on an entertainer we loved on the Harmony of the Seas a few years ago. He's a schooner bar singer piano player that we love listening to. Is there any way to find out what ship entertainers might be on? We saw a short video clip of him playing on the Wonder of the Seas during the late summer on a Facebook group that I'm part of. We're sailing in February 2023 on the Wonder, and it would literally make our trip even better if we knew he'd be on the ship still. Thanks for reading my email, and thank you again for bringing up joy to so many. Lisa, thanks for the email, and the answer is unfortunately no. Royal Caribbean doesn't provide this information, and that's basically your best source, right? So your next best source is secondhand information. Now, certainly, if the entertainer themselves have a social media presence, well, that might be actually your next best option, truly. Uh, you know, I'm going to assume that the person does not, but you might look to see if they have a Facebook page. Some do, some don't. Some have Instagram pages. It, it really depends on the entertainer. And my only advice to you is the next time you track him or her down, that you ask them, hey, do you have a fan page of some kind so that you can keep track of that? Otherwise, you're kind of relying on other people to report where they are. Usually, entertainers have contracts that last a couple months. It really runs the gamut as to how long. But unfortunately, there's just no way to know. In fact, in a lot of cases, the entertainers themselves, in which I've talked to them, they usually are, you know, they're on a contract on a ship. And they might have a sense of maybe where, you know, the, the renewal for their contract is. But, you know, which ship they'll be on, it's kind of a round robin. And unfortunately, uh, my, my best advice to you, Lisa, if you don't have access to them on, you know, Facebook or Instagram or something like that, TikTok, is to then, you know, maybe post around on Facebook or the Royal Caribbean blog message boards and ask to see if anybody knows, you know, which ship they're on or has been spotted recently. Uh -huh. 
Next, uh, we have an email from Meg. Hi there. I'm not sure if you'd be able to answer this question for me, but I sure hope so. I have a question about a stateroom on board Oasis of the Seas. I'm interested in a one-bedroom grand suite and have two questions. Number one, I've looked at multiple YouTube videos about this room and I've seen two different lounge chairs on the balcony, not the regular two chairs that are with a small table. I'm wondering about the two other lounge chairs that are on the balcony. Some videos have two really long lounge chairs that look extremely crowded and right up against each other going long ways on the balcony and look so big that it looks like you're unable to move them so, you're actually, so they actually face the water. They really look very crowded, like you couldn't even walk between the two loungers to even get to them. The other videos look like there are two smaller lounge chairs that have rounded leg supports and face the water. These look like they could be moved around a little more easily in the balcony and could be moved to the face the uh, water. Which lounge chairs are currently on the balcony on the Oasis for the one-bedroom grand suite? My second question is, can I bring a blow-up twin-size air mattress on board and use it in the stateroom category? Would it fit? Can I bring one on board? Thanks so much answer the question I can answer <laughs> is the inflatable air mattress as far as I know the air mattresses are there's, there's no restriction on them it's not on the prohibited item list I mean I I guess you, I mean there's no reason not to I, I suppose I mean I wouldn't personally bring them I think it's too much effort for what it is but I understand that hey you're bringing maybe you got some older kids and you know the sofa's not there for you um it's not on the prohibited item list so I see no reason why you wouldn't be able to make so let's so let's remember that I was able to answer one of your questions. The other question, I have no idea. I mean, I understand what you're asking, um, but truly uh, there's no way for me or anyone to know unless there was like either photos or videos from the exact cabin that you booked because it can really vary. Um, I understand what you're asking. Meg's basically asking about the loungers that are on the balcony and which type of lounger they are, what size they are. Um, I, like I said, Omega, unless you could get a firsthand report from somebody else who's staying in the same cabin, I wouldn't even trust necessarily another one bedroom grand suite on Oasis elsewhere. I mean, it probably is going to be the same, but, um, it's so hard to know. I mean, there's just no way to know without that kind of first information because Royal Caribbean doesn't provide that level, that level of detail in, in terms of the, you know, what you can expect. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but short of, you know, maybe posting this on, on the Real from Black message board and somebody's like, oh yeah, I was just on Oasis. I was in one bedroom grand suite. Here's what it looked like. I, I don't have any insight on that. So um, yeah, that that's a, I'm not sure I've ever gotten that question before, but I think you'll have a great time no matter what size loungers you have there, but hopefully you'll get an answer before you get on board. That would be certainly nice. Next, we have Neil from uh, Spencer Bryan from St. George, Utah. Hello, Matt. Thanks for all the information on the blog. My wife and I are going with friends on Wonder of the Seas in November of 2023. Since we made the reservation, I haven't stopped listening to your podcast and watching your YouTube channel. It's my wife's first time on a cruise and my first cruise in 20 years. My only other cruise was back in 2001 on Explorer when it was the largest ship in the world. I'm sure much has changed since I was 17, but I'm interested in the cabanas at Coco Key. Which would you recommend based on what they include? And can the price be split since we're going with friends? We're looking to do as much as possible without breaking the bank. Hey, it's a great question. So what would I recommend? Well, you've got, well, there's more than three. There's a couple different cabana categories, right? You've got the Chill Island cabanas, the Oasis Lagoon cabanas, through water park cabanas, and of course, two different types of cabanas at the Coco Beach Club. Um, this is kind of a question, I think, more of where do you want to be for your day, right? So if you're like, if you're more pool people than beach people, then the Oasis Lagoon Cabanas 
If you're like, oh no, the Thrill Water Park sounds awesome. Thrill Water Park, arguably the Thrill Water Park cabanas are the best value that you can buy with the cabanas because they include admission to the water park in addition to the amenities. The amenities are pretty much the same across the board. Um, when you have a cabana at Coco Key, you're gonna get a cabana attendant. There's towels provided for you. There's bottled water. Uh, they will bring you lunch. Uh, this is no different across the board. Obviously, the Coco Beach Club cabanas have an upgraded lunch experience. So the food is better, whereas the food you're getting in the other ones are from Snack Shack, which, by the way, I like quite a bit. So it's not like you're slumming it there by any means. Um, but if you're looking for like dollar for dollar best value, the Thrill Water Park cabanas. But of course, if you don't care about the water park, well, then that's not of interest to you. Chill Island cabanas are probably the most, you know, relaxing, I guess I want to say. Obviously, that's at the beach. Um, and that's an optional. A lot of people like that. South Beach, I think there actually are South Beach cabanas, now that I think about it. So you've got those as well. Um, but this is going to be personal preference, Spencer. I think you're just going to have to figure out where you want to spend your day. In terms of splitting the price, it, there isn't a way through Royal Caribbean. Somebody's going to pay for the whole thing on their credit card, and then you all can figure it out, Venmo each other or what have you, and then get the best price from there. Our next email is from Brian and Tammy, North Florida Wanderers. Hello, Matt. Avid blog followers here. We just received an email from Royal Caribbean about our upcoming cruise on Adventure of the Seas from Galveston in January 2023. It appears they've canceled our Progressive Mexico port day and diverted us to Cozumel, where we will arrive at 5 p.m., stay over in Cozumel, and, and just go there for another day. The reasoning for dropping Progresso is that the ship is too large for the port. Insert, insert eye roll here. Adventure has been there before. My question is for your well-informed, larger-than-normal brain. is <laughs> One, if we arrive at 5 p.m., will the port shops actually be open, or will they be closing as all the ships but ours are, will have departed by then? Number two, will we be able... Let's start with a question. He's got a couple of questions here. So, um, set us to the, the shops. Uh, that's a good question, actually. Um... I, I don't know. I've never been there quite that late, but also you have to remember that. Actually, I have been there that late. Though. That's a lie. But I will say that um, it doesn't. I don't want to say it doesn't matter. But Cozumel, there's a lot more going on. You've got a whole downtown area, and I feel like um, you know you've got because you're doing it overnight. I'm hoping you're taking advantage of it, and you're gonna go go enjoy the 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 ability to go have dinner downtown and do something in the evening time. Um, you know, the port area is obviously convenient, but, you know, they're tourist trap shops. I mean, they're just, you know, knickknacks and, you know, I went to Cosmel t-shirts and that kind of stuff, which is not bad. Listen, at the end of the day, it's in a pinch, it's fine. But if you're looking for shopping, the downtown area might be a better option for you. That being said, also, San Miguel, which is the name of the city there uh, in downtown, which is a very, very short cab right away, $8 each way, probably. Um... It's, you know, I, I, I can't speak also for what hours those shops are. Here's what I would look at it. You're doing an overnight. So when you get there at 5 p.m., don't worry about the shopping. I would save that for the next day. You know, you would certainly walk around. My, if I was planning it, here's what I would do. Let me make this really simple. I would, if shopping's a priority, cool. You're not doing that on day one or you are leaving it to, you know, maybe it'll work out, but your, your main priority is to do it on the next day. I would walk off the ship. Uh, find a restaurant, and before you do this, by the way, I would Google restaurants to figure out which ones they're open. There are a number of great restaurants downtown, and I am sure there are some restaurants out there that you can go to that are open for dinner, and I would do a nice dinner and then come on back because, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the nightlife is like. I mean, there is nightlife at Cosmel, but I mean, you know, I feel like you're really just there for the evening, maybe enjoy a stroll by the beach somewhere, but you're really, then you're going to come back, and then the next day, you're going to do your, your traditional you know, 
uh, thing. Unfortunately, it, you know, I understand that you're obviously frustrated that you can't go to Progresso. It's cool you're doing it overnight, but the fact that you get there at five kind of, it's an overnight, but you don't really get like the advantage of having two full days there, which that would have been really cool. So, number two, will we be allowed to come and go from the ship uh, overnight, especially if the port is closed? Yes, um, as far as I know, and I've never done an overnight in Cozumel, but whenever Royal Caribbean does an overnight, it's like a floating hotel. Come and go as you please. They do this in Bermuda all the time. Number three, is Cozumel more dangerous than we have been led to believe after dark? I don't think so. I think it's very safe. I mean, number one, it's an island, so it's detached from the mainland. Um, I mean, I think there's risk with everywhere you go. I don't want to make it seem like anywhere you go is foolproof. There are There is no absolutes in life. Um, I think it's a matter of, you know, being smart about things. But going downtown, I wouldn't think twice about it. It's a very popular area. You know, remember, apart from the cruise ship stops, Cozumel is a major tourist spot. Uh, you've obviously got resort guests who are there. There's a number of hotels on the island. The Ironman competition does competitions there throughout the year, it seems like. And they're all staying there, and they do overnight stuff there. So, um, I yeah, I would feel comfortable going there. I've been to Cosmo a bazillion times, but you know, maybe that's just me. Number four, is such an itinerary change and response normal, and are we overreacting to this treatment? Royal has refused further comment, refused to explain port fee charges that were paid for Progresso, and has offered absolutely zero comps for passengers losing a port day and excursions. Um, I mean, we have to... So, <laughs> the answer is, it is what it is. Um, number one, this is not going to make you feel better, by the way. Um, if you read your cruise contract that you agreed to, you, there's no guarantees. When you book a cruise, um, there's no promise of uh, that you'll actually go to any of the places you go. If you actually read the cruise contract, it says that your itinerary is subject to change. And if you go to none of these ports, it is what it is. And, um, you know, you're not entitled to anything. Um, the, the idea of, of compensation for the changes you know, you, there's, it's really at the discretion of Royal Caribbean and a variety of things. Have they happened in the past? Yeah. Would I expect it? No. Um, I, I, I don't think that because your itinerary has necessarily changed, and I understand the frustration there, okay? I've been on many a cruise in which we booked the cruise, and we loved the cruise, but, you know, but part of the reason we booked it was the change in the port, and I totally get that, but, um, it, but, you know, it, unfortunately things happen. Now, I do agree that the excuse here seems pretty lame because Adventure has been Progresso and the fact that they say that it's too large for the port, I guess is that this is more, I don't know this for a fact, obviously, but my guess is that there was just a scheduling snafu, like you know, too many too many ships, not enough slots kind of thing, a, a, a case of musical chairs there. So, you know, basically, and, and Brian and Tammy wrote here, you know, I know this is taking up their apple time, but we really don't know what else we could ask for guidance from and who we could trust to provide a straight answer. Thank you in advance for any help. My advice here is number one, it, it is what it is. And if you sit there and harp on the fact that you lost the port and you're going to go into the cruise with proverbially or or literally your arms folded and like, well, you know, I'm going to like, hey, Sarah, Sarah. Okay, you lost out on Progresso. I understand the frustration. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt to prove that I went to a different port. That being said, make the best of it. A cruise is what you make of it. And yeah, you're not doing that, but you're getting to do an overnight in Cozumel. So like I said earlier, I would take advantage of that and I would double down on your time in Cozumel. I would have an awesome dinner somewhere in Cozumel. I'd Google, you know, whether you want an authentic Mexican meal, you just want to go somewhere nice. But there's a lot of other food. It's not just Mexican food in Cozumel. There's actually a lot of different restaurants. Uh, I'm part of a Facebook group called uh, Cozumel for You. It's Cozumel the number four, I think the letter U. And it's not really for 
cruisers per se, but it's just a general, you know, visiting Cozumel group, right? And there are a lot of cool restaurants in there. There's a lot of cool things you can see and do beyond simply going to the beach. And then the next day, you, I would assume you have your full day there, which you were going to do anyway because you were going to Cozumel. So I would take advantage of it. I would just, you know, embrace the change. It stinks. I understand you're disappointed, but, you know, you're, you're still going to go on a cruise. You're still going to have an awesome time on Adventure of the Seas and make the best of it. That, that's my... Um, that that's my sense of it because when it comes to itinerary changes rarely is it to your advantage but when it does happen you've just got to roll with the punches and then say okay this is the new normal we're gonna go for this i mean in the grand scheme of things progresso is not exactly it's not like you're skipping you know one of the most amazing ports in the entire world uh you know you're still talking about western mexican ports uh, excuse me well western caribbean eastern mexico you know what i meant there um you know, I, I could, in the, if we were to rank ports, maybe this, there would be other ones that would be more, you know, substantial or more significant for you to miss out on, but you're going to have a great time. And while I understand you're disappointed, maybe this is an opportunity to book another cruise, get back to Progresso. But in the meantime, I hope you'll have a great time there in Cozumel. So I hope that helped Brian and Tammy. I don't know if it did. I, I just feel like when it comes to these kind of things, your best, honestly, your best bet is to roll with the punches, you know, you, you kind of throw your arms and say, all right, it is what it is. We're still going to have a good time because it's, we're still on a cruise ship. We're not at work. That's all that really matters. And you're still going to Mexico. And Cozumel is a great port. It's not like you're going to you know, somewhere else. So, you know, I, I take advantage of it. So, all right, well, there you go. There's uh, this week's emails and this week's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If I can answer your emails or ramble on about, <laughs> about your changes in your cruise, I am happy to do so. Send them to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.